Hey everyone, welcome to the FBB podcast. And today I've got a very special guest with me. It's Eric Malzone, who's a top podcast host, coach to entrepreneurs, fitness industry consultant, and a leadership expert. And uh, Eric uh, has a lot of ventures in the works, which we'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about. He, he runs the Future of Fitness podcast, which you want to check out. Um, and also the founder of Level 5 Mentors which is something I want to, I want to learn more about and, and talk about on this tour, on this call. But Eric has a, a really extensive background in the fitness industry with fitness business. And unlike just a lot of people out there who, who just throw some marketing tips around and, and, and stuff like that. Um, this is another person that the kind of caliber of guest I like to speak with and learn from someone who has real experience in the business, on the business, outside the business, uh, and has, has um, done a lot of things and has that perspective and experience that you're not going to get from, from 90% of the stuff out there as well, meaning as it is, there, there's certain wisdom gleaned from real experience and there's not enough of that out there today. So that's what I want to share on my show, on my podcast. So welcome, Eric. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Justin. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I, uh, you know, we recorded, uh, an interview for you on my podcast. And I'm just, I'm thrilled because I know you and I align in many ways about how the industry can work, how it should work, what the future of it is. Um, so just th thanks. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm already extremely grateful for being here. Great, great, great. So I want to, I want to delve into a bit of your background and story to put things in perspective, but I like to kick things off um, by setting the tone for the, for the episode by hitting you with the one question, it, um, which is pretty much for all the, the fitness professionals listening to this today, mostly there'll be studio owners, bootcamp facility owners. What is one thing that you would like them to know the most about their business, about success? Um, what's the one overriding theme that would set the tone for today? What's one thing you want them to know, if nothing else? Yeah. So I'll, I'll set the table with that by saying that um, I get to work with entrepreneurs from a lot of different industries. And when I compare to um, what I see in the fitness industry, the overlying issue is a heavy dose of scarcity mindset and the lack of collaboration across the board. Everybody is fighting for the same, depending on what country you're in, uh, same one to 20% of people who always go to the gym anyway, or always have a fitness professional, but people aren't looking at the bigger picture and collaborating and, uh, and understanding how to divide and conquer. And that, that's the one thing, if I could get people from scarcity to abundance and collaboration, then, um, I feel like we've done a great service. Brilliant. Yeah. Great message. And, um, yeah, we'll definitely, we'll go into that and talk about collaboration versus competition, um, mm -hmm. very much needed. Uh, and so, so yeah, to put it into perspective, then, uh, what is, you know, what, what has been your story in fitness? Uh, where did you come from? What have you done? What are you doing right now? And maybe a couple of the biggest lessons, uh, along the way. Yeah. So it's been, um, you know, I, I tell it, it's funny cause I tell everyone like, Hey, you have a story. Everybody has a story. Right. And you got to get out there and tell it because it's really important. It's actually what differentiate differentiate people in the market and mine. Um, you know, I grew up, so I, I won't, I'll make the, 
the early part brief, but I, I grew up in, um, in California, in the Silicon Valley before it was the Silicon Valley, you know, I'm 43. So I can say like, you know, when I knew it was all orchards and, you know, everyone rode their bikes everywhere. Right. Um, athlete all my life, you know, I started swimming at a young age cause I had really bad asthma. Um, so it was the one sport that I could do and that launched me into a pretty competitive career of water polo. Um, and that was my sport, my sport for 20 something years through high school, college club teams after. Um, so I was always, uh, active. I was always athletic. I was always into the fitness and, um, got exposed to a lot of it early on. And, uh, after school, um, you know, I, I graduated with this business degree and it was 1999 and the dot-com bubble burst. Right. So all these jobs that all my friends were getting years before I graduated were just not exhausted. They just weren't there. So I was scrambling and uh, it was really hard for me to find a gig. So I just took the first sales job I could get and it was selling, um, recruitment services and it went well. Um, and that launched me into probably like a 10 year career of various forms of sales, sales management, um, business development, uh, promotions and marketing, all kinds of things that I got to do from radio stations to, um, real estate finance to, um, legal publishing, just you name it, right. It was a lot of different things that I got to work on. And the, my, my venture into the business of fitness started with a simple text message, uh, in, um, 2008 from an old college teammate, Trevor Boehm. And he sent me a text and it just said, Hey, do you want to open a gym? And, uh, this was back when it was T9. Like, I don't know if people remember. So we didn't have, it was like, it was like when I responded, yes, it was like seven, seven, seven. And, uh, so it took me one beer at a happy hour and I came back and I said, yeah, you know, I think I do because I always, I knew I always want to be self-employed and, and I wanted to go, you know, similar to you, Justin, I was very lifestyle driven. I'm like, you know, I want to, I want to do it my way. I want to live where I want to live. So after some conversations and um, meetups, you know, six months later, I was packing up all my belongings um, in San Francisco where I had lived for the past eight, nine years. And I was driving down to this area called Santa Barbara, um, very beautiful area. Um, but I didn't know anybody uh, there, nor had I ever really been to Santa Barbara. I just seen it on like the soap opera show and uh, in postcard photos and things like that. And, uh, also, it happened to be the worst economic meltdown of our generation. So um, the table was set for success, right? <laughs> I guess. And uh, so we opened this little 800 square foot gym. Um, we slapped this name CrossFit Pacific Coast on it. And uh, no one had really heard of CrossFit yet. Um, and this was before social media and everything. So we just, we got out and we did it the old fashioned way. You know, we hit the streets and we introduced ourselves to people. We, you know, worked one client into one referral and then two clients into two referrals and, um, and then CrossFit started to get popular and then things really started to get good. Um, but it was a couple of years of really, really worrisome, um, business. I was like, well, what's in it? You know, we can talk about decision-making processes if we want, but I always go back to like, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? my thought was the worst thing that happened is I just live at the gym, sleep there. We have a shower, right? We'll make it work eventually. And, uh, it did. And, you know, over the span of eight or nine years, um, we grew it to probably one of the premier CrossFit affiliates on the central coast of California. I consider it the best. Um, I'd also taken, um, an investment opportunity in a second gym and things are going well, you know, from all, you know, external factors, you would say it was, I was, I was living successfully. I had a, you know, great gym. I live in a beautiful area. My wife has had a beautiful wife who was awesome and supportive and all of these things. And then we had a really tough year in 2016. And, um, 
you know, from uh, losing my father, uh, my wife's father to uh, a suicide uh, of a good friend to the loss of a pregnancy late to finally the, the death of our dog. And through that year, I realized that um, my chemistry had changed, um, that life had more urgency than I had thought it had. And I came home one night and I told my gym, my wife, like, Hey, I, you know, we always talk about living in this mountain town someday, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. what if we did it now? And her response was so f- funny yet spot on. She's like, do not mess with me. Are you serious? And I was like, yeah, I am. And, you know, so then I say, well, what's my first step? Well, I gotta, well, I gotta sell this gym. Right. So, um, I started taking, you know, the very first step in doing that and, about four or five months later, I successfully sold it. Um, we rented out our house, uh, we hit the road, and we started traveling, um, looking for our next place to live. So we lived in about eight or nine different places over the course of two and a half years. Um, and now we're in Whitefish, Montana, and we love it. And we're you know, trying to get a, a place here now. And um, that's kind of the, the driving force as far as business. Um, you know, over Since selling the gym, it's been, been an interesting journey. You know, I got into... Uh, marketing. So we, I started a small uh, boutique marketing agency and um, realized a couple things is that um, gym owners don't care about slow growth for the most part and SEO and, you know, really solid email marketing. They want lead generation now. And I hated digital marketing. So um, <laughs> that was the other thing. So that, um, that dissolved after about a year. Um, took on some other joint ventures, took on uh, mastermind groups. And, um, but one thing that always stuck was I just kept picking up like business coaching and mentoring clients along the way. Some paid, some unpaid, very, you know, loose, um, you know, agreements with people and, but I loved it. And then I also started a podcast. I still started the future of fitness, uh, podcast, which is all about modernizing the industry and, and helping people see what's coming down the pipe. And, uh, and I started another podcast. I started the Fitness Blitz Radio podcast, which you know I did for about a year. And between the two of them, I think I've done you know somewhere of six hundred interviews with people all over the fitness and health industry. And I also realized that I was unintentionally building an amazing network of people and learning and all of this. So that's that's a story. And now what I do, um, you know, I kind of have three three prongs to my business. Is you know I have. Um, my podcast, which is not a revenue generator, but more of just a networking and, and lead generation component for me. I have certified course creation. I work with Kate Jaramillo where we build out uh, online accredited certifications that are both um, highly scalable and lucrative for people who have great concepts, right? Who are leaders. Uh, and then also I have level five mentors where we do um, one-on-one business coaching and mentoring for entrepreneurs, um, really from all over, but I'm very health fitness and health focused, uh, as well as some consulting gigs. So that's my life, man. And, uh, I ski 50 to 60 days a year and, uh, that's, that's what makes me happy. So, okay. So one very quick question on the level five mentors, um, yeah. level five stands out to me. Is, is that a reference to like level five leadership? from the, the five stages of leadership model or, or is it something different? Yeah, it's, that's funny because, um, you know, we started off with the name because we had used it in something else. And then I'm like, well, what does that really mean? Right? So we went backwards. We came with a name. And then we realized that really what we, what we offer, what we, we do, and, and this is because this is, you know, between Ken, Kate and I, this is the lives that we live, is we base everything on the five freedoms. And um, we call it, you know, there's a freedom of your time, um, 
freedom of money, freedom of relationships, freedom of health, and freedoms of purpose. And if you can get to all of those, um, then that's really, uh, that's, that's the dream, right? Um, so everyone has different parts of their life, every different, you know, different freedom that they're probably lacking. Uh, most people in the fitness and health industry, they understand their health and fitness is important. Maybe not making the money they want, you know, um, or they're just strapped for time all, you know, and, and they're making a ton of money and their health is good. You know, there's, there's always some part that, that people are missing and we help people recognize that. And we have an assessment that we help people go through and, and realize where they're at and, and really understand their values and, and build a business that's appropriate for them. Because I think Justin, probably both of us from either experience or people we talked to, I realized that we built a business and then got it to a level of what we thought was going to be successful and realized we don't want to be there. Yeah. That point when you realize that a hundred K a year is, is actually quite rubbish money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also like, well, what's a hundred K if you spend 90, if, what's a hundred K if you spend 101,000, right? Yeah. When you, when you're doing uh, the job of three, six, you should be getting three, six figure salaries for a six figure income before tax. It's uh, <laughs> but um, exactly. so, so one thing I want to ask you is, so you, you've got that rare perspective that you, you built a fitness business, you've sold it, you know, and, and in my estimation, one of the ways we can define a quote real business is that it's sellable. Yes. Uh, a lot of people I know, they say, I've got a successful business. I've been successful for this many years, but yet if they walked away tomorrow, the business crumbles. And that to me is a job and there's no judgment. I've been there myself. And I thought I thought I had a successful business until I couldn't be there one day. And I, it, it was just a job. So to actually put the business in a place where it's actually sellable, it's, it's operational, it's operational and can be, can be duplicated uh, and sold tells me that, you know, that that's a good benchmark of the experience. So what would, what would be one or two of the biggest lessons then um, on, on building a real business? Uh, and, and, and doesn't mean to people listening, doesn't mean that you have to sell the business. Maybe you have no intention to sell your business, but, I'm sure you'll agree Like we, we talk about build it as if you were going to sell it anyway, because that's the only way really for it to work with, you know, um, you don't have to sell it, but if you build it to a point where it could be sold, um, then you're actually, you've got, you've got massive options. Uh, so whether or not you plan on selling your businesses, if you're listening to this, you do need to, to build it within that way anyway, so it can operate without you as much as possible. So Eric, what are a couple of the biggest lessons you would give fit pros in that regard right now? Yeah, that? it's a great point. And you do have to build a business to be self-managing and therefore a sellable asset. And um, step by step, brick by brick, I built the business so that I could pull myself out of the equation and it would run just fine. And I think the biggest thing is like um, the first time I booked a three-week vacation, Right where I was out of, I w we were gone, right? My wife and I, we were in Costa Rica. You weren't going to get a hold of me very easily and people had to figure it out. That was like preparing for that three week trip, the urgency to get things set up and the system set and make sure everyone's trained and everything works. That was, so I would, and this sounds counterproductive to people who are running a business, go book a long-term vacation right now, put it on the calendar, buy the tickets, book the hotel. Um, now we're in the coronavirus coronavirus time right now. So, you know, that's kind of a, an odd thing to do, but, um, you get the point. So I think uh, a couple of things is yes, build it 
as this fits sellable. So that means having systems, really investing in your staff, making sure their communication is open, having an exit strategy for it. Um, you know, I developed my head coach. Um, this, here's an interesting anecdote is that when my head coach uh, joined as a coach and I took the time to really ask her, like, well, what do you want? Like, what does success look like to you? What is it that, you know, you eventually want within this industry? And I want to help you get it. And she said, um, you know, eventually I would love to have my own gym. I was like, oh, now most people would see that as a threat. Right. And I was like, okay, great. Well, I can help you do that. So mental note, right? Like, okay, well, let's start developing her, you know, showing her what it takes to own a gym. Cause one of, one of two things you need to happen, either you're going to completely talk, I'm going to talk her out of it. She's going to see all the work and the pain and the sleepless nights that go into building a business and she's not going to want it, or she's going to adapt really well and eventually could be a suitor for buying my business. So by doing two things of helping her develop, I actually was developing someone to, to buy the gym. And that was, you know, um, a big lesson for me. And also I think, um, I don't think there are any shortcuts, you know, as much as we want, you know, I, and I, I have to, I have to remind myself of this every day because, uh, when I sold the gym and, uh, I talked to one of my mentors, James Fitzgerald, I was like, Hey, I think I'm going to get into this digital marketing world. What do you think? He's like, well, there's definitely a need for it. And he's like, just remember it took you nine years to get really good at running a gym. So don't expect anything different in this field. And I was like, yeah, you know, that, that's true because I think everyone drastically overestimates what they can do in a year, but severely underestimates what they can do in 10. Mm -hmm. And the most successful people I know have 10 year plans, right? That they back down into three, you know, one year, 90 day visions, and then they work towards it and they chip away at it. So I think, understand that, you know, having a long-term vision and building something brick by brick is, is the right way. Um, and focusing on relationships first is, is ultimately what's going to get you success. Well, one thing I've talked about before, and I think you, 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 you might relate with is, uh, I, I've said in a post before that, uh, I think, it, I think it takes about seven to 10 years in business to kind of, to what I would say, make it. And that doesn't mean necessarily the outward success, but you can have, you can have outward, you know, money and clients coming in within two, three, four years. I think for me, and I've seen this trend in other people I've met who've never thought about it this way, but they've, they've accepted the same agreement, that it took about seven to 10 years for them to actually get to that point of um, internal maturity, I guess, to actually look back on what you've done, uh, even if the business structure is there, and to get to that point where you finally click of how you got there and, 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 and the emotional intelligence and the leadership skills and the culture and the strat and how it all weave together. And I think also the seven to 10 years gives you enough time to go through a recession. Yeah. Whereas most of pros we're talking to today who set up in the last five, six, seven years, they have, they've only, they've only been part of a positive fake booming economy and it all looks good right now, but then they've never had to actually go through uh, a tough economic crisis or, or like a coronavirus thing like this. Um, and, and I, I, you know, I, I, I predict, you know, we're, we're, in, we're, we were already in for a, a, a downwards economy this year. I think the coronavirus has just basically kicked us into it. Uh, yeah, it's the catalyst, <laughs> yeah. um, if it wasn't set engineered that way to begin with, but that's a whole other conspiracy conversation. Um, 
but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I won't go into that. Um, it's not that kind of podcast. But um, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it, now it's 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 like it's do or die. It, a lot of fit pros now it's a it's a gloomy message in a way. But I think a lot are gonna realize that the what what took us like seven, eight, nine years to really learn and get a head, get our heads around, they have to learn that now. And they're gonna be thrown in the deep end because they have more competition than ever. Uh, you know, the opportunities that they had up to this point, we've had we've had major opportunities like cheap Facebook ads, um, you know, cheap website builders. 15 years ago, we'd have to pay $10,000 to get a website. Now we can throw up a click funnel in two minutes. So we've had super low barriers to entry, really good access to, to capital and credit to open up locations, less competition in the last five to 10 years. Um, and, 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 but now obviously as, as we turn into the, into the next decade, most of those advantages are quickly diminishing, particularly in the more saturated areas. And, and I think this is what no one's talking about now is that really, you know, when you get, when you get that seven to 10 years of being an entrepreneur in the field, I think is generally what it takes to, to, to maybe develop that emotional resilience to know it can all be going well. And then the next day it won't be going well. Yeah. Even if you've done every single thing right in your business, you've got the good employees, good advertising, good product, you've negotiated your lease really well, but the bigger your company is, it now becomes susceptible to a wider ecosystem that doesn't care about you. It's like, it's like a tsunami hitting a little, a coastal village. Sometimes there's just nothing you can do. We've been, our supplements company has been hit by the coronavirus. We haven't been able to ship orders for a month. We are in the middle of a rebrand, a relaunch, and we just don't really know, to be honest, when it's going to get back on its feet. It's, it's costing us a ton of money, right? But I can sit here and kind of say it with a, say it with a smile because I've just been in this game so long. You just you just accept the punches, and I, I know the punches are going to come in entrepreneurship until they come. And I just guess I have to smile, spit my tooth out, and get back in the game because what else can we do? Yeah, we can bitch and cry and, and whinge and moan and complain in Facebook groups, but. I you know I think that's a big part is that emotional resilience that um, a lot of fit pros just not for their own fault they've just never been put into that environment before, and so you know when it comes to then leadership skills, um, how would you tie that emotional resilience, taking the hard punches, and and equate that with 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 like leadership skills or or being a leader or a boss? What would you what have you learned about that, and, and what would you advise people about that? Yeah, it's 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 a critical point, man. And you know, I I reflect on um, you know, my nine years of of gym ownership, and I went through just about everything. It started in the worst recession of our lifetime, like I said. Um, we expanded, um, had a lot of you know bad hires along the way. Um, I had to buy out my business partner and go through essentially um, you know a business marriage breakup. Um, had legal battles. Um, had, you know, people kind of try to hostile take over my gym by going in and offering all my members two for one deals, you know, as they're opening up down the street um, and, uh, you know, how to sell it and, you know, all kinds of things that I reflect back. I'm like, what an education that you can't be taught in any school. And when you talk about mental resilience, it, it, 
it honestly starts like if you're, if you're in a leadership role and you're always panicking, what's everyone else going to do? They're going to panic. They're going to leave ship. You have to have an era, an aura of confidence. And that doesn't have to be through um, necessarily, uh, you know, faking it, even though you're freaking out on the inside, you just have to be confident that, you know, matter what happens, you'll figure it out. And that's, that's ultimately all you can do. Right. Because, you know, you can have a great, you know, Mike Tyson, you can, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. Um, you gotta be able to, to confident. I think also, you know, when you talk about the emotional resiliency, every great successful entrepreneur or people who are on their way, um, have some way of preparing themselves for the day because we have to put on a suit of armor, you know, emotionally and mentally, and sometimes physically, right. In order to, to go in and, 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 do what needs to get done because no one's going to tell you what to do every day. And, you know, from, uh, I had Brett Clicko, who's a founder of spider for kids. And we talked about like morning routines and things like that. And it's funny if you really ask, you ask entrepreneurs who are successful or, you know, what I like to say on their way to it, because the journey is part of it. Um, their morning routines are a little weird compared to most people, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner, Ken Andrewko wakes up at three 45 every morning and takes a 45 minute bath. He can't start his day without a bath. He has to go to hotels. You know, when he gets a hotel room, he has to make sure he has a bathtub in there. I wake up, I take a cold shower, ice cold shower every morning. Mm-hmm. You know, people do meditation and Wim Hof breathing and all these things because your mind is, is if you're in a calm state, you can see things and you're not as reactive as you, you may be. So that's the big thing is like, and leadership is, is, you know, a being authentic, but also truly believing um, and building that resiliency that no matter what happens, you'll figure it out, you know, and you're going to realize you're going to fail more than you succeed. Yeah. I often say, because people ask me, uh, you know, how am I so confident that whatever I do is going to succeed? And I tell them, I'm, I'm never, I have no idea. What I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not confident in that. I'm just confident that if it doesn't work, yeah, I'll, I'll stay alive and I'll figure it out yeah. or it won't, it won't kill me. That's what I'm confident in that. It's okay, that I, I'll, I could fail and that's okay. Yeah. Not that it's yeah. actually going to work out. We have, we have, again, none of us have any idea and we, we accept this reality. The bigger the company gets, of course, you can have, yeah, you can have all the right things and then, and then a coronavirus hits tomorrow. And then what, what can you, you know, <laughs> your, yeah, your plan yeah. is worth nothing then. Right. Uh, so, do you want to share more about your morning routine or, or just general principles in your life that you use to um, maintain a, a good mindset, um, stay positive, um, you know, keep calm uh, mm-hmm. and, just, and just be you know, a, a switched on efficient leader? Yeah, I think it all comes down to, well, you know, so I do wake up every morning and take a nice cold shower. Um, what this does is uh, a couple things. It, I'm a naturally anxious person. Most people are shocked. They're like, what? You seem like the calmest mofo out there, right? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm pretty anxious. Like, you know, every day I feel like I have some. So my cold showers do a couple of things. Um, snap me into a state of readiness. And also um, I do something that I don't want to do every morning, right? Which is step into a nice cold shower. Um, after that, um, you know, I, uh, I usually read um, a little bit, not much, like five to 10 minutes, um, generally something in stoic philosophy, because I find that that really resonates me. It's kind of my, um, lack of better term, it's my religion, right? And what it reminds me of is that the only thing that we really can control in our lives 
is the way we react to things. That's it. And that, if I get that reminder every day, um, then I also do some Wim Hof breathing and things like that. Occasionally, um, I make sure to move every day. Um, and I also make sure that I find a moment in each day where, uh, I do something that truly brings me joy, whether that be like just spending five minutes with my dog, you know, playing with them, um, or reading something or even doing something that, you know, most people are like, oh, I'll watch a, a Netflix comedy, right? I love stand-up comedy. It makes me laugh. So make sure I look for opportunities to laugh every day and smile. Um, so it sounds pretty basic and simple, but if you just, the simpler, okay, here's the thing. The simpler you can make it, right? The more clarity you get around it. The more clarity you get around something, the more confidence you have in doing it. And the more confidence you have, the more engagement you, you have. So I call that the, the continuum of, you know, simplicity to clarity to confidence, to engagement. And that's, that's what I look for in all the things I do. And with the people I work with, I want to make things as simple as possible for them. So that they have the clarity, they can, you know, get the confidence and engage. Um, and I, I, I live that in my own projects too. I mean, everything I'm working on, I'm like, this seems too complicated. Let's boil it down. Let's boil it down until it seems like it makes so much sense that we can start, start right away. So simplicity, clarity, confidence, engagement. Engagement. Well, okay. Um, okay, so let's kind of switch gears up then. And, and that's kind of like how to deal with the now. Yeah. But then let's talk about the future of fitness and where do you see things going? Mm -hmm. And what do, what do you think your pros need to know? And, and what, what yeah. are they doing to, to prepare for that? Yeah. I mean, you can tell by the size of the breath I just took that this, this is something I think about every day every day, maybe, maybe not weekends, but every, every day I, I get engaged in with the work I do. Um, I don't know, right? No one knows if I was going to sit here and say that I did, you know, I'd probably be, I'd own my own Cyprus, right? I'd own my own island if I was truly able to, to predict the future. But I can tell you this, um, things are changing. Technology is taking a, a bigger um, grasp in what we do every day. And it's, it's providing opportunities that we never saw possible before. Right. And I think that, you know, we talked about on, on when you came on my show too, Justin, is that, you know, in the United States and the numbers differ, but you know, 20% of people within North America either go to a gym or, um, or engage in some kind of fitness routine. That's 80%, right? Globally, that number is 1% and 99% relatively. Right. So let's say 99% of the world's population doesn't engage in any kind of fitness program. Mm -hmm. So where's the real opportunity? Why do we keep fighting over that same 1%? Well, I could tell you, you know, with things like um, corporate wellness programs, right. Where we're getting people where they are. And you brought up brilliant points in our, in our podcast too, is like, let's look at where people are and meet them where they are. Like, I think one, like, for example, Esports performance, an area that I think is really critical and interesting. People are sitting here and they're bitching about how kids are on their video games all the time, always playing video games, always playing. What are you going to do? Are they going to stop? No, they're not going to stop playing video games because the games are getting better and better and they're getting more immersive and um, there's actually money there now. So how do we take that and meet kids where they are and use that as an opportunity to engage them in better health and fitness? And that's one of the projects that I'm, I'm excited to be working on now with some of the leading minds in that field. Um, you know, we look at technology like uh, a tonal unit, right? Okay, well, 
is that taking away the job of the coach or is it presenting an opportunity, right? Are you fighting it or are you, or are you rolling with it? I see tonal and you know, which is if people don't know what it is. You can go to tonal.com and I've had Ollie on my, my show a few times. It's a, uh, it's a home-based fitness equipment that's, you know, all digital and electromagnetic resistance based. And it's, it's great. It could be the future of what home fitness is. So what is that? Is that a, is that a threat? Or can you be one of the early adopters that gets in there and starts creating content and starts being someone who builds a community around the tonal unit, right? Or like we were talking about in, uh, you know, previous to uh, our recording is like, well, where is that tonal unit going to be? What if it's placed in every hotel room, you know, in, in a chain? Or what if it's in, uh, you know, um, rooms on a cruise ship, right? Like where, where are the opportunities? The opportunities are everywhere if you look, for, if you look at it the right way. And that's, that's what's really exciting. And I also think that what's beautiful about what we're doing is we're, as you alluded to um, in, in our show again, is that there's a race to the bottom and a race to the top. You know, so there are people who are racing to the bottom on price, making it a commodity, right? And there's also people who are looking at, well, how can we increase the client experience and base this on relationships and, and differentiate ourselves on the amount of service that we, we have, therefore raising value and prices and racing to the top, you know, leveraging technology, right? My zone and, um, you know, that's just one basic thing, but there's so much opportunity out there. And I think people just need to look at, be in touch with what's going on and embracing it and even trying it. Like if you don't have a wearable device and you're a fitness professional, you're not, you know, playing around with HRV and, and at least in trying it, right. If you're like, oh, it's stupid. I don't need that. Well then I have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen to you. Right. And that's, that's fundamental. Like you should be learning how to use this stuff because it's not going anywhere. So that's, that's my thought. I don't have a clear picture, but I do know that there are certain things that are trends that we're seeing. And, and those are the big ones. Embrace technology, focus on client experience that differentiates you and, and you're going to be going in the right direction. Yeah. And I would just say to, for fit pros listening to this, I know there's certain fit pros who will use a kind of a narrative story to justify not doing this. They might be like say body weight training or functional Puritans where, you know, it's like, that's all great in tech, but, you know, we're getting people back to basics of just basic movement and we don't need that stuff. And, and it's like, yeah, we don't need any of the tech. We have bodies and, and vegetables. We can do it. But like, it's not about the need. It's, it's just, uh, <laughs> well, you know, we don't need to live in caves and, and, and cook our food with fires. Um, and, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to go and do that today. Um, and so, and, and so, I, yeah, because I hear this quite a lot from bit pros who are very resistant to tech, and they they raise up the seemingly logical points that like I want to get people back to basics and away from technology and away from social media, and away from these distractions in life. But there comes a point: is technology a distraction from life, or is it our life? And it. And that's not a, it's not a, that's not a dystopian, horrible thing. It just, these, these things are our life. We, we, for as much as we want to say, we want to get away from tech is evil and all that. Well, okay. Throw this in the water. Just try it. And, and those people all of a sudden um, tend to be a, a lot more attached to tech than they think. It's, 
It's, it's where the world is going. Probably no one wanted to write with a pen, first of all. Yeah, right. Ink was just better. Maybe people were disappointed when they couldn't, when no one wanted to I don't know, attach a message to a pigeon anymore and send an email. It's like, uh, you know, so yeah, you can, you can fight it and come up with all the logical sounding excuses you want to. But at the end of the day, your consumer, if you're in business, it's all your business is driven by the consumer for yourself. Sure. Live on a mountaintop, you know, go and hunt a deer and cook it in the woods, do whatever you want to do for yourself. But if you want to run a business, you can't turn your back. You can't make, make sure your beliefs don't, you know, um, cover you from, from really being aware of the market and where the market is going. If you want a stake in business and you want to have a good you know, money and a good lifestyle and help people, you have to listen to the market, number one, and see where the market is going. They make the decisions, not us at the end of the day. And that's something that I think FitPros need to look at that level of entitlement maybe. And if you don't want tech, go and live off on your own. Cool. But don't expect the 100 people locally to do the same thing as you because they yeah. won't. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like to even I think that the, um, you know, the biggest opportunity, like I said, is, is getting to the people who don't already go to the gym and the fitness that that's, that's our huge opportunity. And that's, if I could sum it up, that that's where it is, how that happened in the different angles in, um, it find your path. Right. But that, that's the biggest opportunity is where we can continually fight over the same, you know, membership based people who are always going to go to gyms, right? You and I, Justin, we're always going to go to the gym. It's not hard. Most people find it very, very difficult to get into a fitness routine. So how do we do that? Is it through, you know, um, applications? Is it through, and I, you know, my, uh, my business partner, Ken built an eight figure corporate health and wellness company because he looked at the problem differently. He realized that, you know, what do most people do in corporate wellness? They go in and they, um, like, well, I want to do some yoga classes and, you know, do a boot camp at your, your location. Okay, great. Well, who's going to go to that? Susie in accounting, who is a hundred pounds overweight, um, never been in a gym in her life. She's not showing up and who costs all the money to that company? Susie in accounting, right? Between healthcare costs and sick time and all of that. So how do you get there? And he looked at the problem that way and found out, well, there's other ways in, you know, if we can get Susie to raise her hand and say, Hey, I need help on my finances or my marriage right? Then all of a sudden you have a way and a dialogue to start with these people that seems less intrusive. And then you can get to the bigger issue and then you swarm them with help. And that that's, it's a different way of thinking. But if you look at the problem for what it is, then you can solve it in a new and innovative way. Why aren't these people engaging in fitness and health? Where can we access them? Right? Is it in a way that maybe we never thought of before? Right? I don't know, but that's the opportunity. And I think that's where people need to focus. Yeah, and that's a good point there. It's not about us, about us having all the answers. It's about guiding you to come up with better questions. Yeah, right? none of that's us it. know what to happen in the future, but but it's not it's not about knowing the answers. It's about asking the right questions, um, so at least more prepared for it. Um, great. So, is there um, anything else? You know, when when you when you talk to to fitness professionals, gym or business owners in general, um, you know, what are what are Aside from what we've talked about so far, what are a couple of other kind of um, chronic mistakes you see them making uh, and what kind of solutions uh, or what kind of you know, Q &A, uh, FAQs do you usually get hit with 
that people yeah. need help with? Well, I think everyone wants lead gen, right? Okay, let's talk about um, that. So- yeah, you know, and I, I think it's very short-sighted. Um, I'm going to take a, like a huge step back and say this, this one thing, and this doesn't just go for entrepreneurs or business owners, but most people don't um, start with the end in mind. Like, what do you really want? What's the goal, right? What is the goal? And I, I don't mean just from like, hey, what's a 10-year vision of your business, but what do you want out of your life, right? Because um, you know, when you look at it that way, and I ask, this is, I love plane analogies, I don't know why, but you know, if, if you look at like a, a flight that's going from, let's say, um, London to New York, right? And uh, how often do you think that flight, once it takes off, is actually on course? 4% of the time. 96% of the time, that thing is self-correcting and course-correcting through its path, right? And that's essentially business. Is like, you know, okay, I know I want to get to this goal. I know why I want it. I want it for my lifestyle. I want an exit strategy. I want to build it so I can sell it, whatever that may be, right? As long as you have that long-term goal in mind and that vision, then you can course-correct along the way because that's normal. You're never going to have a plan that's going to work perfectly because that's what you came up. I think business plans are obsolete for the most part. You just have to have a vision and maybe some qualities of what the business looks like. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is like, well, what is the end goal? People like, well, I just want to make, I want to make six figures. Hmm. No, that's not really the goal. The goal is maybe you don't want to have to worry about money. Right. Um, So what does that look like? Now we're talking about wealth creation, not income. And it's a big difference. So I think ultimately having an, a goal, an end goal in mind before you start and that'll change, changes for me all the time. But I know I, I the other thing I didn't tell you about is I, I listen, I have two page manifesto that I revisit every morning of what I want in my life from five years to 25 to 50 to 75 years from now, because I think I'm going to live to 125. Um, so, you know, starting with the end in mind is really critical because that guides everything you do. Without it, you get lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really easy. That's it. Without the big why, you know, people want to know the, the how and the what, but until you know the why, the why is what will drive you to keep going every day, even when it's not going to plan. So, I mean, that's what they need. Um, yeah, and we see, you know, and I, and I think that, 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 um, it's what we mentioned before. The reason I think their mindset is stuck at that level of looking at an income goal is because they're just trying to replace a job. When you go from yes. employed to self-employed, again, like I was, like I wasn't looking for a business, so I didn't think about a, creating a revenue that would sustain a business that would work without me and didn't factor in or think about time goals or, or freedom lifestyle goals for myself that could be provided for a business that worked for me because I never even had the idea of business in my mind. It was just, I, I'm, I'm earning 3000 bucks a month in this gym. I'd rather earn the same 3000 bucks on my own terms. And, and that's what the, the trap most fit pros are in is they've never actually consciously attempted to grow a business because they're still just trying to replace a job. Yes. And so as soon as you change that mindset that do you want, and, and if you want a job, like that's, that's totally fine. It, do you want to be fully booked and have a job and have an income, 100K a year, you know, pay, pay your income taxes, uh, you know, pay a bit of a couple of small costs and take the money, great. Do you want that? Or do you want a business then that creates wealth 
which is you know, money and time and, and legacy and impact that grows beyond you and does something meaningful once your financial stability is set. I was reading you know, the studies that show, uh, I think you know, for, for, for most people, when, when, finan- when, when, when basic financial needs are met, which is between 60 to 80, or maybe lower, uh, about 60 to $70,000 a year for the majority of people, they have their basic financial needs met at that point. Um, you know, any excess money does not inspire or make anyone happier after that point, generally. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you can make 60K a year and then uh, never have another personal financial goal ever again. Um, the finances are only a means to an end. Or, or as I say, from zero to six figures, money is the goal. From six figures upwards, money is the fuel source. Yes. Money is yes. the strat- cash is the strategy, but not the goal. Uh, yeah. And so, again, it's one of those concepts. It's, 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 I get it's hard for a lot of trainers who aren't there yet to kind of yeah. get, and you it, know, because we're talking, you know, retro- retrospectively. It's, it's the kind of like, you know, you're better off eating your vegetables. And we're like, yeah, I, I kind of know that, <laughs> but I'm going to wait till I get sick first and then I'll really know it. And so, yeah. You can learn the hard way, the easy way by taking our advice or learn the hard way, which most will. That's how I did. Our words don't teach, but but your own experience will teach you. As long as you then, if you do go into that and you start making that mistake or you start feeling those feelings, you can, you can listen, you can remember back to this podcast being a seed for you that you say, ah, this is, this is what Eric was talking about. Right. Okay. So I'm not going to keep going in that direction. I'm not going to keep trying to fill that hole with more and more and more and more money because it, you're, you're never going to get to where you're trying to go to. Yeah. Uh, and there has to be a different way of a different perspective on looking at things, different things I, I want for my life and a different way of getting there. Uh, so and that's the thing with the, the best advice like this. It is, it's the stuff that once we've made the mistakes, we then go back and go, ah, now I get what those guys are talking about. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and to pull it into an area that's less ethereal and kind of high level and more concrete that people can take today, I think focus on the metrics that matter. Um, it's not lead generation kind of circling back on that. It's, you know, retention, lifetime, lifetime value of a client and average client value. Um, if you can look at those in a fitness business, that's when everything changed for me is when I went from what's my total membership and square footage and top end revenue to, you know, what is the, um, you know, how long am I, what's my retention rate every month? Uh, how much is each client spending with me per month? How long are they with me? And what's my profit margin? Like, those are the things that matter. They're not, um, vanity metrics. Like I got wrapped up in for a long time. Like I wanted the biggest gym with the most members. I didn't care how I got there. Um, that ended up making me miserable. And then when I made those transitions to really focusing on those things, then my life got a lot better and my clients were happier. And, um, ultimately it became something that I could sell. So pull it back into something people can, can relate to. I think that's, that would be one huge takeaway. And I'll tell you a little secret on that is going on that as well is that I, I kind of figured out a few years ago that if I focused on that, the lifetime value serving customers, uh, you know, boosting the profitability where the profitability comes from, then you can afford more for marketing, and you can, af- you know, you can afford to run crappy marketing, or your lead generation hasn't got to be so good. Um, and I stopped thinking about how do I get the cheapest leads possible, 
to how can I actually afford to spend more on marketing, but actually still make profit on the back end? Yeah. Which if you if your lifetime value is higher, you can afford more to buy the customer. And your marketing hasn't even got to be as good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fundamental secret I've always found is that like being a really, really good service provider allows you to, to have, you know, pretty standard marketing and not worry about it too much um, because your marketing costs will still be, be trumped by the, the LTV. Yeah. Uh, and if we, and, and, and Bitpro, it's, it's a game of reducing, you know, reducing customer acquisition costs and raising LTV, but you can reduce, you can reduce CAC by a few cents or a few dollars, but you can raise LTV by hundreds or thousands. Where are you going to spend your time? You yeah. know, let's tell uh-huh. you which one's more fun, you know, uh-huh. and more fulfilling is, is focusing on what's in front of you. Just like you said. Yeah. Perfectly said, man. I love it. Cool. Is there anything you want to leave our guys with, uh, any final bits of information or advice? And then after that, then is where's the best place for people to get hold of you? Where would you like to direct people? Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any final notes. I think we cover a lot of really big topics staying hopefully, you know, um, if, you know, even if one big thought grabbed hold and, and starts to grow, then, uh, you know, I think we've, we've done a good job. If people want to get a hold of me, it's a couple different places. You can go to um, futureoffitness.co. Uh, so that's my brand new podcast website, plus a little bit about my coaching and what I do and how to get a hold of me. Uh, also, level5mentors.com. And then I'm also very active on LinkedIn. So um, look, look me up there. Um, you know, I'm always putting out content. I'm always putting out podcasts. And I'm always open to conversations because I love knowing what's going on out there. And uh, I pride myself on it. And I like to help people with uh, zero expectation in return. So um, hit me up. Love to talk with you. Great. Well, it's been a pleasure um, having you on. I'm sure we'll, we'll bring you back on again. And maybe we'll go, awesome. we'll go, well, we've opened up a lot of conversations today that we can yeah. definitely go into more um, in the future. Um, but uh, thanks again for coming on. It's been, it's been great. And I'm sure the guys have got a lot of value out of this. So as usual podcast, if, if you like that, uh, let us know your, your best takeaways from the show. Let us know what you plan to do with this information and let me know if you have any more questions or anything you'd like Eric to expand on, drop your comments wherever you're listening to this. Uh, and I'll, and I'll make sure that I'll make sure Eric, um, sees any questions or comments that we have as well. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, and again, um, share this on your socials. Give us a tag and a share if you're getting value out of this. That would be much, much appreciated. See you guys next time.